Welcome to the Beekeeper's Corner Podcast. January 7th, 2024, episode 234, Beauchet Caramelization. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Beekeeper's Corner. I'm Kevin England. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2024. And as 2024 kicks off, you know, I'm feeling a bit ambitious. We'll see how long this is going to go. But something old is new again. I'm going to record some sidebars. If you've listened to the show for a long time, it's been quite a while since I've done one of these. It's a single format, single episode, short ones. I am going to continue to build full episodes with roundtables and, you know, the the typical format topics in local hive reports. But in between, on a more regular basis, I'm going to try to record these individual topic episodes so that I can talk about some sort of feature, so to speak, and get you out of here quickly, make it a little more snackable. So you can tell by the title, Beauchet Caramelization, that that's the topic du jour. This is about making mead. And I think what I want to talk about is caramelizing honey, why you want to considering it. How do you approach doing that? It's not a topic that's well understood, given all the research I did. What might you use caramelized honey for? And uh, as a bonus, I'm going to talk about my honey caramel recipe that I have available out there. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and talk about why I want to do this. What's the whole point of this in the first place? I guess I'll start this off with saying a boche. What is it? It's a mead that's made from caramelized honey. You can make a traditional wildflower mead, just pour the honey in, pour the water in, add the yeast, and go that route. But if you want to try something a little bit different, you can get those charred, caramelized toffee notes by caramelizing your honey before you start. You know, there's few things that are more luxurious than enjoying the toffee, nutty, creamy flavors of a soft caramel. I have a recipe that I'm going to talk about for making honey caramels that employs a caramel process akin to using sugar. But of course you use honey as the sugar base. And since that has registered in my pleasure zone as an amazing experience, it's not hard to take the leap to wonder what a boche might taste like. If I think about a mead, drinkable, they typically have a wine profile fruity maybe sometimes they are a little sharper acidy depending on how you make it i don't know that that translates great from a caramel standpoint because you really don't want those sour notes but if i could make it more like a porter or something that has chocolatey flavors i think that would be pretty amazing so a boche, if you're not familiar with the term, is a form of mead that uses caramelized honey and is designed to impart a warm, toffee, toasted flavor reminiscent of a perfectly toasted marshmallow by the campfire. If you go back and do a little bit of research, you'll find that this practice is something that goes back to ancient times. 
if you could consider the 1500s ancient, I do. Mostly the French are credited with some of this. I, I won't go down the lore of it, but one of the things they did was take an entire scap and boil it in water. And as they boiled it, it caramelized the honey and then they drained off whatever was left over. If you think about what I'm going to tell you, there are different ways to go about caramelizing your honey. And one of them is not actually too difficult or too different from that particular aspect. But let me say this. I think what you're trying to do is go for toasted toffee, not burnt acrid flavors. And one of the things you should know about making caramel, whether it's making it with sugar or making with honey, is that there's a fine line. If you want to talk techno-speak from chefy type things, you want to take it to a softball stage. I think it's not that hard, but it can be daunting. I've made caramel, which I'm going to talk about, like I said, and it's one of those things where you need to stand over it. And then you, when you read the instructions, you put honey in a heavy pot and you cook it to a specific temperature. And one of the things that occurs is not only does it toast and caramelize the sugars, it also drives off the water and it'll boil up and it will become strange. You'll be watching this foamy, boiling, cauldron mess of scalding hot honey in front of you cooking it on the stove. Not something that's enjoyable. And then do you stir it? Do you not stir it? Is your pot thick enough that it doesn't scald and scorch the bottom while the rest of it is doing it? Do you do it low and slow to bring it up to the particular temperature or do you put the spurs to it? It's a mystery to a lot of people who don't like to cook as to how to caramelize honey. So enter plan B, something that I could not find a lot of information about. We happen to have an emergency circulator, a sous vide, method cooker and you could put honey jars in water they're in the jars you're not throwing the scap in turn the temperature up to anywhere between 180 and 200 and let the sugars caramelize through time over temperature temperature over time is the right way to say that it's going to take a long time and it's going to be a little fussy we have a huge restaurant pot that we can put our sous vide in and put a bunch of jars in and turn the temperature up and let it cook over a period of time. And you can test it along the way. Dip a chopstick in it, drop a drop down onto a paper plate, which is white, and you can see how far the caramelization goes. If you look on the interweb, some people talk about how to do this in Maybe you do it for 12 hours. Maybe you do it for 20 hours. Yeah, you have to babysit it. Or you just throw it in a heavy bottom pot and you cook it over the stove for an hour or whatever preference. For me, this is what I wanted to talk about in this particular feature is I'm trying the sous vide method. And I found a guide that said 180 degrees for 24 hours. No, <laughs> it's not working. I'm in the midst of this experiment as I record this. 
I put it in and over eight hours I saw no appreciable gain in the caramelization. And so I turned it up to 205. I found another video that's 205 and my thought was I would like to try it at a lower temperature and see if I could creep on it and not, you know, I wanted a long mellow flavor from it. And now what I'm going for is a little darker and faster. So I turned it up to 205 and I'm going to check it every couple hours just to see how long it goes. And what I'm looking for is I'm looking for a temperature that will take it to a dark brown blackish what I've seen. It's funny because it looks super dark in the jar. But when you take it out and you drip it, it is dark caramel toffee color. And so I guess I'll have to report on this and I'll, I'll check in some other episode as to how it went. But yeah, I want to be able to do it with the sous vide. And one of the things that I read from all the people who tried it is to get away from the struggle of what I've talked about, caramelizing on the stove, which honestly, if you have any experience, is not as complicated as it sounds. But if this is totally daunting to you, and you happen to have a sous vide, it's idiot proof. You can't burn it because coffee caramelizes or the honey caramelizes to burn burn above 230, but it will caramelize at 200, 205 if you hold it over time. That's my thought as his cauldron bubbles away upstairs. And so from that standpoint, um, yeah, I'm going for toffee not burnt acrid flavors. Now, one thing that's interesting about this is it does pasteurize the honey. And yes, it's going to kill some of the flavors and all that other stuff. So it's a strange notion to talk about. And let me just discuss that next. And yeah, let's go down that rabbit hole for a moment. Some argue you shouldn't do this at all. That the whole point of this is dumb because you're ruining your honey i i don't know you make mead from honey so the fact that you're killing off the flavors and all that stuff of the honey i think is inconsequential you're transforming that to the toffee toasted notes of marshmallow and that's a benefit in itself this is a kevin moment one of the things that we do when we extract our honey is when you get to the end and you're finishing up your extraction process, you have honey that's all over the place. So for example, we have an uncapping tank and in the uncapping tank, we tend to find that the honey that we have has more pollen in it. It has more wax in it. Even if you filter it, it tends to be less pristine than the stuff that comes right out of the extractor. We always put that in separate jars and we take a Sharpie and we put a black dot on top of those bottles. We refer to that as giveaway honey. Giveaway in two forms. One, giveaway is that's the honey we'll eat. It's not as clear and pristine and pretty to put in a jar. If somebody picked up the jar and looked at it in the sun, they would see particulate matter in it. But I'm okay eating that. In fact, I actually prefer it. And we have some customers that ask for giveaway honey. 
because they know that it has that type of stuff in it. But that's the honey that we also use for making our mead. Because in the end, when you're making mead, it's inconsequential. And the premium honey is put in a box and sold. Now, coming back to it, I know, sous vide. How many people have an immersion circulator and do sous vide method? I talked about putting it on a heavy pot on the stove. The fact of the matter is, if you look around, you could do this in a crock pot. Some people take the honey, put it in a crock pot, turn it on, and watch it in the same manner that they would watch a pot, but time, temperature over time. I think, um, I don't know, I don't own um, these other kinds of devices that you can cook with um, Instapot and what do they call the pot that you seal on having a senior moment here ah a, a pressure cooker uh you know there's even esoteric things like fondue pots and dare i say someone might want to try this in a microwave to each his own i suppose and i think it's time to talk about the intention here i want to make a boche i want to make a plain one one that just has caramelized honey. But I also want to take note of the toffee flavors and mix it with something else. So I have a plan to make a peach mead, something similar to a peach pie. I'm going to add a little bit of caramelized honey, a lot of peaches, and I am going to add maybe at the end a little bit of cinnamon or whatever you would put to make a peach pie or a peach cobbler. Eight pounds of peaches, eight pounds of caramelized honey, a 71B Lauvin yeast. I'm going to do a Tosna, tailored, organic, staggered nutrition, add addition, Tosna. <laughs> So when you make a mead, you add your yeast to the initial pitch and then you feed it with, I'm going to use Fermate O, four additions at 3.4 grams each. So you could tell, I'm peeking at my recipe that I'm going to use for the peach mead. After it's all done fermenting, I will rack it off or take it out of the fermenting vessel and filter it through a fine sieve to get rid of any particulate matter from the peaches. And then I will taste it, back sweeten it, and do whatever, and let it mellow for a year. And I might even put it on some oak cubes to give it a little more of a, a cooked taste. We'll see. This um, is going to be an experiment over time. Making a three gallon batch. And the hope here is that I will split it into a bunch of different jars. And with them, I can take the base mead that I make and treat them differently, maybe adjust and play with the flavors back sweet versus not back sweet, oak versus no oak, and things like that. Different uh, spices added to it to give it a little bit of flavor before I do the final bottling. 
I'm making it up as we go, and that's part of the fun of making mead. So a boche mead is just caramelized honey like a regular mead, but instead of making a traditional mead with wildflower, you're making it with caramelized honey. And again, some of that might require some tuning or adjustments. I don't know. I don't know what this is going to taste like in the end. I, I did look at different formulations where people made boches out of caramelized honey, and then they added things like coffee and other flavors. And that takes you down the road of making something like a stout, a beer-flavored mead that is a little chocolatey and as you can tell, there's probably a lot of ways to go. I, I wanted to talk a moment about some research that I did. There's a video out there that goes over 20 yeasts and one traditional mead test notes. It's a Google Doc that's out there from a mead maker, but basically tested the best yeasts for various meads. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. If you look at the ones for Boucher's, Mangrove Jacks M05, Lalvin EC118, Lalvin 71B1122, and a couple others. I happen to have Lalvin 71B in the stash, so that's the yeast that I'm going to use. If this is all new to you, you can let honey ferment with the natural yeasts that are part of the honey when you make a mead, or you can control the fermentation process by inoculating your mead with different type of yeasts that you could buy in a packet. Not the same as a bread yeast that you might find at the grocery store, Red Star, whatever that is, but yeast strains that were specifically cultured over time primarily for the wine industry but the characteristics of how the yeast consume the sugar and the flavors that they create make them different ones suitable for the job and the ones that i just read off are the ones that you would use for a boche last thing to say if you go to the website bkcorner.com or .org if you click on the recipes link, there's a video there that explains how to make luscious honey caramel. It's a take on somebody else's recipe that I made, and it's been out there for a long time. I look at, no, I won't go there. It's old. If you look at me, you'll know how old this thing is. I, I can see it. That being said, the caramel is amazing. It is so good. The recipe is at the end. At the rolling credits, it tells you the ingredients and the process. But if you start from the beginning, I walk you through everything. I show you the caramelization process, which is using a pot on a stove and so on. So if you're interested in that, check the show notes. I'm going to make this mead now. And a year from now, I won't talk about what it tastes like. So... During the holiday season, it's the best time for me to set up a block of time where I could care for the initial work that it takes to make mead. Our company is off for the final week of the year, and I always try to make mead. And so with that, I could say to you that I just was on the phone two days ago with Bob Kloss, 
because he's coming over to help me make mead tomorrow. And he said to me, our apple sizer was amazing. He's been on a medication that didn't allow him to drink any alcohol for a period of time. So when the mead was finished, he never got a chance to taste it. But now he's clear of that. And he just tasted this mead that we made last year. And it is amazing. So, yeah, you have to wait a year. Now, you don't. You can drink the mead fresh. It's a little sharp. It's got a little bite to it. It's a little tangy. But as it mellows over a year, boy, does it get really good. And I have to admit that over the last couple of days, yeah, I broke out a bottle and I've been drinking a little bit of it at night as a cooking implement because I've been cooking up a storm over this break. But that's a story for another day. So a Boche mead caramelizing the honey. Have you ever done this? And if so, how did it turn out for you? Kevin at bkcorner.org is my email. And that's going to wrap it up for today. Sidebar episode done. Check. Caramelizing honey. And I may uh, look to come back to this later. Uh, you know, there's one more thing I want to talk about real quick. I almost forgot about this and... It has to do with the sous vide and the way it works. I had a touch of a problem with it midstream. I set it up on my stove. And when I said restaurant pot, let me be clear what I used. We have a huge pot that you would roast a turkey in. That's to me the best device, vessel to use. I took jars of honey with the cap on it and put it right in and the only thing sticking up out of the top of this turkey roasting pan is the the lids the rest of it is covered now obviously if the water went over the lid it wouldn't hurt it the water's not going to get inside to the honey but you could stack a lot of jars in a large roasting pan and the cv now one of the things that happens at 200 205 degrees is the water evaporates quite quickly so i covered it with tinfoil it makes a lot of steam at that temperature. Imagine if you were boiling water, because 212 is boiling, it's pretty close, and you just steamed. Well, the entire kitchen has become a sauna. Everything's dripping. So I set it up on the stove. And so one of the things is I did not want the hot pan at 200 something degrees sitting on the countertop. So I have it on the stovetop and you have to commit that you're not going to have anything on your stovetop for the period of time while you're doing this. But it's been issuing steam so much that the steam has come up underneath the hood and is dripping down onto the stove. It dripped down onto my Innova sous vide immersion circulator so much that it got wet and it started beeping because it got too moist. So I had to pull it out midstream take it downstairs, set it on a counter and put a fan on it to dry the thing out. You could put it in rice, but I didn't realize why it was beeping, beeping, beeping. And then went and looked it up and it said, yeah, the moisture got into it. I guess um, that's something you have to be aware of. And so I'm not sure if water dripped down onto it and got into it, or it's just wet from so much water coming off. And periodically, I've had to put 
cups of water back into the pot because it's of the evaporation. So just one of those things you learn across the process. And I guess when I'm all done, maybe I'll make a video or write a whatever. But for now, while I'm in the thrust of this, uh, really, it's an interesting learning experience, which is why we're doing it. <laughs> I wanted to learn how to caramelize honey and try our sous vide in the process. And it's been an interesting experience. So, okay, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed this sidebar, if this was of interest. Like our beloved bees, when beekeepers go together, we can accomplish great things. Thanks for listening, everybody, and be well.